Welcome to Crossing the Tape, a true crime podcast. I am one of the hosts, Hillary, and along with my husband, Brendan. We are two investigative professionals, my husband being a deputy somewhere in the United States, and I am a cold case investigator, and that's all you need to know. Global? Yes. No. How do we meet? Well, what brought us together was crime, mm. if you can believe it. Ooh. We were at a homicide scene. You as the crime scene investigator and me as the lonely man doing scene security. It's important. Yeah, I guess. And as I kept watch on the crime scene, something else caught my eye. And we struck up a conversation and now... 29 years later, here we are. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah, around there, give or take, a lot. And we've been together ever since, and your career is flourishing, mine's continuing. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're both doing pretty well. I'd I'd say so. So now here we have this uh, remarkably successful podcast. Yeah. It's getting there. Yeah, you're all getting in on the ground floor with us. Right. <clears throat> you can make your way to the top with us. Yeah. Uh, we'll save the sponsors for later. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we've our last couple episodes we've focused on uh, first a female or two women who conspired to commit a murder, and then a male serial killer in the most recent episode. Mm-hmm. So for tonight's edition, we're stepping over into the somewhat more rare female serial killer side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we dive into tonight's subject, what can you tell us about males versus female serial killers? Well, as you mentioned, female is a lot more rare. Um For a while, the FBI was not recognizing that females could be serial killers. That's wild. And that's been disproven, of course. But um, it is is still a rare occurrence. Um, Not to say females can't be killers, but they're rarely serial killers. Um, As from what I've seen as far as casework and research, the difference is the male is the motives. Common motives, I would say, are usually money, some kind of gain. Um, with females, though, it seems like it's sometimes it's a, a, like a social gain, mm-hmm. you know, status. Right. Males, it's not particularly that way. Although, males, it's often a bravado thing, control, and most often it is sexually driven. Um, that's usually the most motive behind male serial killers. Right. They're generally going to target females. Right. Generally. And right. have some sort of sexual mm-hmm. gratification coming from the murder. It's usually for fame or for um, playing out a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then females, it's often quiet. It's a lot more quiet and unassuming. Um, it's jealous. They're quiet kills, as I would say. Um Sometimes it's for attention. There's been some that have been quiet housewives, but they want attention because their life is boring to them. And I'd say 
The most common, though, again, is money. Yeah. And when you say quiet kills, you mean sort of in the way they go about. They're not... The manner. Right. The uh, A female serial killer, or killer of any type who's female, is probably not going to kick a, a door in and bludgeon somebody to death with a baseball bat. No. Usually, usually, not always, but usually female killers, serial or not, it's something along the lines of poison or something quiet. Or when someone's Sometimes, in their sleep or right. vulnerable some way. Right. If it is a firearm, it's usually when they're asleep. You know, they, they can take control easily. Um, men tend to be more... Hands-on? Yeah, hands-on. Yeah. <laughs> a little more aggressive. The strangulation and that type of, you know, yes. dismemberments and right. all that is brutal. more likely to be on the male side of the yes. spectrum. Rarely is it brutal. Not to say there isn't, but the rarely, you know, it's brutal for a female. Males are usually the ones that are aggressive and, as you said, you know, will go... They'll kind of go over and over the top, above and beyond. So that's somewhat of the difference. So now that we've established clear differences that are sometimes disproven. True. <laughs> we will uh, follow the, the standard lines of a female serial killer as we discuss tonight's topic. Nancy Hazel, better known as Nanny Doss, A.K.A. Ah, yes. She had lots of nicknames. The most popular one is the Giggling Granny. Um, The Lonely Hearts Killer, which we'll explain soon. The Black Widow. The Jolly Widow, or Lady Bluebeard, which um, we looked up Bluebeard because it did strike... Sounds like a pirate. Yes. It's it's, No. (laughs) That's Blackbeard. But it did... It struck a chord. So we looked him up. He was a wealthy nobleman... Um, did you find a year, perhaps, or no? Uh, I th- I want to say 15s, okay, that but sounds... I may be way I off. think you are right. I think it was around the 1500s. Um, he the had... 15th century. So there's a 15. Right. <laughs> he had six wives, and they were either sent away or fled or were adulterers or they died, and he just had this succession of wives, and, and as a nobleman... That caught on. So for her... But in in his situation, none of them were his fault. No. That was kind of the... That's the story. Yeah. All these awful things happened, and he he went through all these wives. He just had bad luck, I guess. But it wasn't him. No. She, though, named as Lady Bluebeard, is a different story, which we'll get to. We'll find she's quite responsible. Yeah. So as we begin, if everyone would please sign the crime scene log... And join us for the story of Nancy Hazel, later known as Nanny Doss. Uh, Nanny was born in Alabama, 11-4 of 1905, so she would almost be, what, 306 or something now, earlier last month. (laughs) Uh, And she was one of five children born to James and Louisa Hazel. Uh... She got the nickname Nanny at a young age. Not sure why, but it stuck for the rest of her life. I think even in newspapers, she's referred to as Nanny. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Nobody bothers with Nancy. That's a no. That's too polite a name for such a woman. Nanny. 
That's <laughs> a nice, gruff, harsh name. Uh, James Hazel was a harsh, bitter father who was abusive towards his children, and he forced them to work on the family farm, which, you know, sounds like a reasonable upbringing. But yeah, family farms aren't bad, I would know. <laughs> but instead of going to school, it was just farm, farm, farm. They didn't have the opportunity to get a proper education in their youth. So that resulted in a low academic intelligence for Nanny. But she was still pretty cunning. She may have been mm -hmm. not very book smart. Street smart, though. But yeah, she was crafty and savvy. Uh, at seven years old... Nanny suffered a head injury while her family was aboard a train headed to visit some family. And the train suddenly where came was, to a stop. Where was that? Where did she grow up? Alabama. <clears throat> uh, the train suddenly came to a stop, sending her flying into a metal bar head first. So Oof. she suffered a major head injury that resulted in uh, blackouts, headaches, and severe depression even at her young age. And that would later become her defense for everything else that happened in her life, but we'll get there. Hmm. Uh, the only silver lining in Nanny's life was that she would sneak away and read some steamy romance novels and magazines that her mother had. And that's what she was all about. Even at a young age, she, was, she loved that. The romantic, finding your Prince Charming kind of thing. But in her own life, she wasn't allowed to chase after boys or anything like that. Her father forbid her and her sisters from wearing makeup, made them dress very conservatively because he wanted to make sure no grown men were going to lay eyes on his daughters or try to take advantage of them. But unfortunately, on several occasions in her youth, she was molested by adult men. Hmm. And by her teens, because of all that, her upbringing, the head injury, she was depressed, repressed, abused, unstable, and she still longed for that love of her life. And so at 16, Nanny met a fellow named Charlie Braggs. That's Charlie, not Charles, but his oh, name is right. Charlie. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, Charlie Braggs was a co-worker of hers at a, a uh, linen factory. Uh, after dating for four months, Charlie got permission from Nanny's father to marry her. So at 16 years old, they married and went on to have four daughters. Uh, Charlie was the son of a single mother, and so by that time he was supporting his mother. And so she moved in with Nanny and their daughters. Unfortunately, Nanny was kind of the jealous type. And she was a bit resentful of her mother-in-law because she took up a lot of the attention from her husband that Nanny thought she should be getting because that's, mm. after all, that's her Prince Charming. That's her goal. Even though they didn't really get along too well and Nanny had developed a drinking and smoking habit. Hmm. And Charlie would run off for days at a time. Oh, yeah. Likely with other women. Yeah, it was never proven, but, you know, yeah, gone for days at a time, you can deduce what happened. Yeah. Both 
Charlie and Nanny accused each other of being unfaithful. And rightly so. Yeah. Both of them were guilty of that, yes. of infidelity. And so with the lack of attention and the resentment towards her mother-in-law, Nanny started getting jealous and she's in a pretty dark place. But let's say lucky and unlucky for her in 1927 Nancy got a considerable amount of attention after tragedy struck her middle girls so her two middle daughters um, they were poisoned and they died the same day two of them and it turns out and we'll get more into the into it later but they were poisoned at breakfast and they were dead by lunch and our research said that Charlie left in the morning for work and saw the girls and they were complaining of stomach pains and they were crying upset. and yeah. upset. And by the time he got home, they were already dead. And so nobody was, all eyes were on Nanny and Charlie at that point. You know, everyone was concerned for these poor people. And it wasn't clear that it was poisoning the thought. Not at the time. Yeah, every, for the era, 1927, it, it was just believed, like, you know, maybe a unfortunate illness. Right. Something tragic happened to their... Some kind of virus that back then they didn't know. Yeah, to their two middle girls. And so after their deaths, Charlie took the oldest daughter, whose name was Melvina, we'll talk more about her soon, and that left Nanny with... Florine, their youngest daughter. This isn't a happy story, but we have a lot of fun names. <laughs> Starting with Nanny and Charlie and Melvina and Florine. Right. And Charlie is spelled the Y, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's C-H-R-L-E-Y. Yeah. Not the I-E common right. nickname not for nickname, Charles. Just... He is Charlie. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so... Charlie, they didn't divorce by this time, but Charlie took Melvina and he went off on his own. He left Nanny to support Florine on her own. Nanny got a job, another job on her own. And eventually, 1928 sometime, uh, Nanny was back living with her mother and had gotten uh, Melvina back by her side. So she's a single mother, raising two daughters and supporting her own mother. Again, probably a little bit of resentment that oh, yeah. she's got all this responsibility and she doesn't get to be the center of anyone's attention. And her Prince Charming left. Yeah. And they did eventually get a divorce. And turned out Charlie would be the only man to marry Nanny and live to see the end of the marriage. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that didn't meet the death do us part. <laughs> and so Nanny had to find herself a new suitor. I mean, come on. Of course. On. It's, it's nearly the depression. you got to get somebody, well, and back then <laughs> somebody too. to support you. Yeah, and back then it was kind of, a, it was a two-way street because women didn't, they weren't as prevalent in the workforce back then, so they needed a husband to support them. And then husbands weren't really household savvy at the time. So often marriages were based on convenience, meaning 
the husband took care of the wife, the wife took care of the house. Right. We're not quite into the World War II era, men are off at war, women are in mm-hmm. the factories. No. Thing. It's the, if the woman is working, is more out of necessity because right. they were dirt poor. So Nanny wants to find herself maybe a fellow who can take good care of her and, and mm-hmm. her little girls. So she cracked into the uh, Lonely Hearts section of her local newspaper, another thing that she spent a lot of time reading along with the <clears throat> dirty novels. Which, you know, I didn't realize dating services were, I were this prevalent really interesting. back then. <laughs> I didn't know that was back then in the in the 40s, yeah, you know. Mail in the newspaper and they right. set you up with I a thought, pen pal, but it's a... I thought that was much later, you know, kind of like a, the classifieds. A <laughs> pen pal. Yeah. The missed connections on yeah. Craigslist. Well, I'm talking about classifieds in the newspaper. You know, they're classified. They print them right there in the paper. <laughs> I think that's silly. True. Bit of an oxymoron. It's the declassifieds. So Nanny was uh, knee-deep in the Lonely Hearts looking for a man. And she started a relationship with a nice gentleman who she sent photos and even a cake to. And he mm. would woo her with some poetry. His name was Robert Franklin, or Frank Harrelson. Mm-hmm. And the two of them married in 1929. So she went from divorced in 28 to married in 29. Right. With her two little girls. And this time around, this was going to be a it was a good marriage. This well, was going to be a nice one, right? This is about her longest one. This is going to be sweet. Yeah, this, this, this one... This by far was her longest. It, uh, it took the cake. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't take the pie. But somebody does later. Harrelson... Uh, he turned out to be a violent drunk. Hmm. So we're already about in the same boat. Yep. She's right from the get-go. She finds out she, that he's uh, got an arrest record for assault. He's a drinker and he's pretty angry and violent. Maybe he reminds her of her father. But their marriage would last for 16 years. Mm-hmm. So that didn't sway her. No. She didn't was, deter her from She was on board. Going. This second husband is going to be the one. 1943 we jump ahead a bit Melvina now is grown and married she gives birth to her first son nanny's first grandchild she's now officially a nanny his name is also Robert we'll call him baby Robert there's a lot of names a lot of them are silly but then there's repetition between the Roberts so right her husband is Frank Harrelson and then baby Robert is Melvina's firstborn mm-hmm. and then in 1945 Melvina has a second child a daughter this time and that that poor baby didn't didn't last too long um, not at all not at all nanny came to see them in the hospital after the baby was born correct mm-hmm. and Melvina had had a pretty hard time, it seemed, and especially back then, childbirth wasn't easy. It's not easy now, but especially back then, she was extremely exhausted. Nanny came to visit, and she said, oh, let me hold the baby, and she picked up the baby, and Melvina thought she saw Nanny with a hat pin, and... Yeah, she was pretty sure that she... That's what she saw. She saw, and while Nanny was holding the baby... And looking at her new grandchild, she put the hat pin through the baby's head, and the baby died. And 
at the time, I guess the hat pin wasn't left there because doctors. Yeah, the doctors you know, couldn't really explain mm-mm. what happened. So they just they just defaulted to SIDS. Right. They assumed, well, unfortunately, the child just stopped breathing, mm-hmm. and that was that because it was they were still in the hospital. I mean, we're talking right. newborn, like a day or two old. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but you know, Melvina's pretty sure she saw what she saw, but you know, at the time being so exhausted wasn't sure the doctors didn't confirm it so everyone seemed to just sort of accept that story from i think what nanny said was well it's just holding the baby Mm -hmm. and stop breathing i don't know and who would who would ever suspect nanny who had lost two children of her own right and you know when you look at her pictures um and you can google her and look her up she looks Unassuming. At she's, first sight, she at looks first, like a sweet old lady. You, you start looking at other pictures and you can see some creepiness, but she's on on the onset. She just looks like a little family lady. Yeah, when you know what she's done, suddenly her smile gets a lot more chilly. It's a lot more sinister once you know. But if you yeah. don't, on the yeah, onset, yeah, just in you're passing, just, eh, it's just you know, sweet old lady. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? So Melvina's daughter had passed suddenly. While in Nanny's arms. And then just a short two months after that, uh, tragedy struck Melvina and her family again. Yes. Uh, This time, Melvina's firstborn, baby Robert, died. And it was from asphyxiation. And it was said that Nanny and Melvina had a pretty brutal fight, verbal fight, before and Melvina went off to go blow off some steam and asked Nanny to watch baby Robert. And when she came back, he was dead Yes. on Nanny's watch. And the interesting part of that is Nanny had a $500 insurance policy that she had taken out on baby Robert. Right, who's only two years and a few months at this point. Right. So she that's, took a life insurance policy that's out on him. pretty suspicious. Yeah. You know, we didn't look up what the conversion is from five hundred dollars from then um, so i i i think i did yesterday if it's the figure i'm recalling oh yes was it the eight thousand hundred dollars in august of uh 1945 i believe is when it was 1945 asphyxiated Mm -hmm. uh the conversion now was like eighty three hundred dollars right so a that's, decent amount yeah, for that's back a then, especially. Amount. That goes so, a long way back yeah, then. Five hundred dollars. <laughs> it won't get you much now. Maybe a tank of gas. Hello. <laughs> but back, I mean, eight eighty three hundred dollars will pay some bills. That, now that and then should back set then, you up for at for least a, while. a few months, as long as you're money savvy. <laughs> but I don't think Nanny was. No. <laughs> I so mean, what, otherwise she would have she would have stopped there. Right. Well, what happened to? Robert Harrelson. So Robert Frankie Frank Frank Harrelson. Uh, he he was celebrating the end of World War II also in 1945. A mm-hmm. big year for Nanny. Yes. Big year. She Many lost two big grandkids marks. just a couple months apart, and then her husband comes home quite intoxicated after partying with some of the boys. I don't believe he fought in World War II, but some people he knew. Had. Yeah, and, and they so, were celebrating. Yeah, they were know. back home. The war's wrapping up. So he went out to have a blast with the boys. And he, he did. Yeah, oh, he did. He came home uh, considerably drunk. 
and he uh, unfortunately raised the ire of Nanny when he forced himself upon her. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure with her unfortunate upbringing, that brought back a lot of repressed Probably. feelings and PTSD. Mm-hmm. And she decided she wasn't going to stand for that. So she dug up one of his whiskey whiskey bottles. Some moonshine and, from the garden. Right. and uh, Everybody's got one of them. <laughs> and laced it with rat poison, and he drank drank it and died. Yeah, he, he had a nice swig, a nice nightcap, and um, that laid was down it. in bed. And that was that. And she thoroughly cleaned the bottle. Mm, so that, I didn't read that. Yeah, she made sure there was no trace of anything. <clears throat> and then I guess when the uh, law enforcement was snooping around looking into the death there was no sign of poison from anything he ingested they just kind of bought her story that well he came home really drunk and he had this moonshine that i didn't know Mm -hmm. about and he dug it up and drank the whole thing and i guess that was too much so he was they just assumed that must be alcohol poisoning right because who wouldn't trust nanny right the poor woman she's lost two daughters tragic life two grandchildren just a few months ago right this awful streak so she, of luck. She really plays up that, though. I mean, that's something that she used to her advantage. The because, unfortunate widowed woman. Right. She was very manipulative and that she used that as a catalyst for what she did. And, you know, we're going to get into more of this. But oh, we'll get she... <laughs> deep into more of it. But she, uh, she really played that up. Um, People trusted her, looked at her, oh, poor nanny, when really, she was the mastermind behind all of this. Yeah, she was the, what, the object of her own undoing, mm-hmm. if you will. So now with Frank dead, nanny didn't waste much time before she jumped back into the Lonely Hearts columns, mm-hmm. and she found herself a North Carolina gentleman by the name of Arlie Lanning. Mm-hmm. And after two days of dating, Nanny and Arlie got married. Once again, quick marriage. Quickly. Right off the bat. She didn't waste much time grieving. No. She found herself a new man, jumped in with him, and another fun name, Arlie. I know. What kind of, so there was a Charlie, and now there's an Arlie. Right. I don't but they're think spelled, that's a pattern. They're spelled differently, though. It's yes. not Charlay and Arlay. No, no it's Arlay and Charlay. <laughs> <laughs> we will hear the uh, exciting conclusion of Nanny and unfortunately Arlie's story in the next installment of the podcast part two of Nanny Doss the Giggling Granny mm-hmm. but for now don't eat rat poison yes please Double don't check do that. your garden moonshine Everybody go out right now. Test it. Make sure there's nothing in it but that alcohol. Just a small sip. Make sure it's what you left. (laughs) It hasn't been tampered with. Put a little tape on it. Yeah. A little tamper-proof seal. If that tape is broken, don't drink that. Dump it out. If you've got a little evidence tape laying around. Mm -hmm. Like we do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We will catch you all on the next episode. For now, signing off, I'm Brendan. And I'm Hillary. Stay safe.